When Mr. Sidney whipped out this hamburger up here, I was thinking, I hope he brought enough for everybody. Because <laughs> I know how it is. You get to sitting out there and you get hungry because sometimes the preacher preaches long, and I, I understand that. I'm, I'm aware of that. But that don't mean I'm going to preach any shorter today. So I hate to, I hate to burst y'all's book. All right, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. We're going to look at the first few verses of chapter 21 this morning. And if you care to uh, go through the conclusion of it with us, we are going to do that tonight. So you can come back tonight uh, and do that with us. But we are going to look at just the first uh, few verses of the text this morning. Just the first eight verses. And what we have seen over the last few weeks is that our enemy, Satan, has been bound. He has been uh, cast into the lake of fire. What we saw last week is that there is coming a day that there is going to be a great judgment, both for the uh, saved and the unsaved. We will all stand before the Lord. And that's, that's a pretty uh, scary thing to think about, to think about that God uh, has books that we will be judged by, that God uh, knows every work that we, is, that we have done. God is not a forgetful God. He knows everything we've done, and not only what we've done and not done, but He also knows the heart in which we have done it with, and that's what's really scary. Because as we talked about last week, at least for me, sometimes I do the right thing, but I do it with the wrong heart. And so uh, we will have to all stand uh, before God when the day of judgment comes. Those who are apart from Christ will be judged by their works, and our works are in no way good enough to earn us a grace from God. It is in no way good enough to forgive us of our sin. We can't work our way into forgiveness. And so those who are judged by their works will not be able to stand on the day of the Lord, and they will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. But those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who have been washed by the blood, who have accepted the sacrifice that he gave on their behalf, to those we will be counted as worthy. Not because of our works or of our actions, but because of Jesus Christ's works and his actions. Because of his perfect work on the cross, because of his perfect sacrifice, we will be accepted by God. Jesus is our mediator between God and man, the book of Hebrews tells us. And he intercedes on our behalf, saying, This one, Father, is mine. Because Jesus knows those who are his, those who have accepted him, and those who have been covered by his blood. And that's going to be a joyous and wonderful day for those of us who are in Christ. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to begin to dig into that. What we saw last week was that uh, when that time of judgment came, that, that heaven, the old heaven and the old earth uh, disappeared. There was no place for them before God. And so what we saw last week was the end of the old, but today we're going to look at that the new has come. So we're going to read through the text, we'll pray, and then we will dig in. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea no longer existed. I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, 
and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. The victor will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards, unbelievers, vile, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning, and I pray that you would be with us in this place as we seek to learn your word, dear Lord, that through the Holy Spirit that you would put on our heart what your word means, dear Lord, that you would encourage us with your word, that you would cause us to look forward to that day that is coming, that you will make all things new, dear Lord God. I pray that you would uh, be with me as I stand here to preach and to teach your people. God, that you would hide me behind the cross, dear Lord, that you would uh, clear the cloudiness of my mind, the, the competing thoughts that the enemy wants to uh, try to uh, get me sidetracked, God, that you would keep me on track so that each one here today, dear Lord, can leave this place growing in you. God, so that the preaching this morning would be beneficial for us, God that we would not just be here wasting our time and wasting your time, dear Lord, but that we come here this morning to seek you, God. And maybe there's some in this room who didn't come to seek you, and they just came because it's what they do on Sunday morning. But maybe, God, your Holy Spirit has convicted them now. And I pray that any of us that might have come with a, a bad attitude or competing thoughts, that in this moment that you would just take us captive, dear Lord that the Holy Spirit would open our ears and open our hearts so that we can hear your word. So God, I pray that you would speak to me, uh, through me, dear Lord, this morning. In my weakness, dear Lord, I am not anything without you, dear Lord, and none of us are. And so we don't come here, uh, dear Lord, to lift up a man. We come here, dear Lord, to worship Jesus Christ. So God, my prayers that everything that has taken place in your house this morning and everything that will take place the rest of this day is for your glory. And in Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. <clears throat> Revelation 21 is pointing us toward a wonderful and new creation. Now I don't know about you guys, but I long for that day. Uh, the Bible says that those of us who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. We have uh, put away the old things and we have put on Christ. We see that uh, throughout the text in the New Testament. And here we see even further this new creation that is being talked about. This, this, this wonderful eternity that is going to come for those who are in Christ Jesus. We also see on the flip side, very briefly in our text today, the horrible uh, uh, suffering that is going to come to those who oppose Jesus Christ. Those who reject Jesus Christ. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea no longer existed. So again, last week we see the passing away of the old sinful, 
that we live in now. We live in a very a sinful world. We live in an old way. But God is promising that there is coming something new, that there is coming something better. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that this is not all that we have to look forward to. I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And so here we have this new heaven, and we have this new earth, and we have coming down from heaven, kind of in between the two, is we have a, a new Jerusalem, and we have the imagery here that it is like a bride adorned for her wedding day. Like a bride adorned for her husband. And that's some good imagery for us to think about, because we talked about this a few weeks ago in Revelation chapter 19, I believe it was, when we talked about that those who are in Christ are... are preparing themselves for a wedding feast, for a day that we will be ready for that wedding when Jesus Christ returns to take those who are His children. We are preparing ourselves for that day. And we talked about that we understand the importance of that, right? Because we have seen or taken part of a wedding that we see in our world today. We see those weddings in our world today and we see the preparation that goes into it and we see the bride as she prepares for that special day trying to get uh, and just the uh, just get in shape so she can fit in that dress and and get the hair done and the makeup done because the bride wants to look beautiful for the husband and so we are familiar with that preparation for the time when a husband will receive his bride Now the Bible tells us that we who are in Christ we are the bride of Christ and Jesus being our groom is waiting for the day that we can be united with Him. Jesus is looking forward to the day that we can be with Him. And we who are His bride who have accepted Him should be looking forward to the day that we will be united with our groom. And so that should, that should encourage us, that should motivate us as Christians to be about God's work. So that we can uh, be making ourselves pure and holy, not through our own uh, good deeds or things that we can do, but through Jesus Christ. That we are continually seeking Jesus Christ, that we are continually repenting of that sinfulness that is in our life, those things that creep up that we see that God does not desire of us. And we give those things to the Lord and we continue to seek Jesus to make us pure. So that when that day comes, we will be ready for that wedding that is going to take place. You know, just last night I got to go to a wedding. It's super exciting. You know, over the years, I have learned to love to go to weddings. Now, some of you men, for sure, you might not have got there, and I get it, because you got to dress up. you got to wear a tie. And it's not, like, it's not maybe the most fun thing for some of us to do. But listen, a wedding is a good thing, right? And the more and more I begin to get into God's Word, and the more and more I begin to see the just amazing gift that Jesus Christ would accept us to be His. And to see that illustration of marriage used time after time again in God's Word, the more exciting it is for me when I go to a wedding. Because I am immediately drawn back to the text. I'm immediately reminded that, hey, this is what God gives us, and it's an illustration of what is to come. So last night I got to go to a wedding and I was very excited to get to go to the wedding. I didn't know either of the people there very good, but there was, there was a certain sense of excitement. And so here I see this groom and he's standing up there and they're surrounded by all of their friends. And lo and behold, those doors open and here she comes. And that smile 
on his face is just so big. And that smile on her face is just so big because that is an exciting time. And here we are drawn back to that same imagery, that same illustration in Revelation 21. That, that this new Jerusalem, which is us, we as Christians, we're the new Jerusalem. We are uh, those who are in Christ. Whether that's a, a, an actual city, an actual physical, literal place, or whether that's symbolic language that just describes us as Christians, I don't know. Because we see much symbolic language throughout the book of Revelation. And so this new Jerusalem could be symbolic of us as Christians. Or it could be an actual real place that God is going to prepare and that we will inhabit when that day comes. But there is this excitement because we have this bride and this groom that is coming together when Jesus Christ returns. When we make it to be with our Lord Jesus, it should be an exciting time. And we see that here in the text today. Reading a little further. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now that's pretty good. Because if you look back in the Old Testament, it's not hard to see that God's desire is to be with us. God's desire is to be with humanity. We are created in God's image. It's not that God created us as some experiment and sin entered and God threw us to the side and said, well, I wanted humanity to be, uh, humanity to be my chosen people. I wanted to have this special relationship with them. I wanted to dwell with them, but they sinned and it was a good shot and I'm done with them. Now, God could have done that, but what we see throughout the Old Testament is that God has this desire to dwell with us. We see that as He, as he gives the law, as He gives the people the commands on what they are to do to, to build the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, that they are to be able to send the priest in before the Lord because God's dwelling is among men. God desires to dwell among us. And what we see in Revelation 21 is that the day is coming that God will finally get what He wants. He will get those who have chosen to follow Him and chosen His Son, Jesus Christ. And He will get those who He has chosen and He has wanted from the get-go. And that day is coming that we will all be brought together because that is God's desire, is to dwell with you. Even sinful you. God's desire is not that you continue to live in your sinfulness and that you suffer the wages of sin, but that you experience the gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. God's desire is to forgive you. That is why He sent Jesus, so that you could come to Him and ask for that forgiveness and be covered in that sacrifice, that blood that Jesus shed on your behalf, because God desires for you to be there when this day comes. Because God desires to dwell with you, and that's a great thing. God hadn't given up on his desire to dwell on us. God has been fighting to dwell with everyone that would come to him from the New Te Old Testament, and he's still doing that in this day and age today. God still desires to dwell with those who would come to him. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, pain, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Now that's good news. I don't know about you guys, but that encourages me a lot. Has anybody in here 
let's say over the last year, has anybody grieved over the last year? Has anybody shed a tear? Has anybody had to go through any pain, whether it's physical or emotional? Every single one of us has, right? None of us are immune to that. We all go through that in this life. Is, does death still exist in this world today? Absolutely it does. And it never gets any easier. No matter how many times that we see those that we love pass away, it is never easy to see them go. It is very difficult to see them go, even for those of us who are strong in our faith. Some of you may have heard of the name of C.S. Lewis before. He's a Christian writer and a pretty great thinker, at least in my opinion. He, he has wrote some good works. And, and even a man as strong as C.S. Lewis in his faith, when his wife died, it broke him. He wasn't quite sure how to deal with it. He began to uh, be angry, to question things, to have doubts. He wrote a book about it called A Grief Observed that talks about his struggle during this time when he lost his wife and how that was really trying for him. There's a pastor who I listen to a lot, and I love to listen to him. Super strong man in his faith, at least I believe he is. I've been listening to him for years. And a while back, his uh, eight-year-old daughter, I believe she was at the time, she'd been battling cancer for years, and she passed away. And it was a real struggle for him. And we still have to face those struggles. Even as Christians, even though we know there is a better hope, we still have these griefs of the world today. We still shed tears. We still see death in our world today. But God promises us that there is coming a day that He will wipe away every tear from our eye. I don't know about you guys, but that makes me pretty excited. Now, We've talked many, many times in the book of Revelation. We have uh, talked about this on many different occasions, that there are many views to the book of Revelation and the Bible in general. There are many views to this passage. Now, now I believe that this view is a, uh, that we see here, my view, is that this is a, a time that is coming in the future. And some of you have probably figured that out throughout the, the teaching of Revelation. I believe that these things are yet to come in the future. But there are opposing views. There are differing, I'll say differing, not opposing. They are, there are differing views in the book of Revelation, one of which these things have already taken place. That all of this stuff in Revelation has already been fulfilled, even the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that these things that we see in Revelation chapter 21 are symbolics. There are some say that these are uh, just a spiritual thing. That this isn't talking about a, a specific uh, time and place. But just a spiritual thing that there's coming a day that God is going to deliver us. There are some differing views in the book of Revelation. And some of you may hold to some of those views. But in looking at the text, when I see that there is coming a day that there's not going to be any more grief and pain, I just do not see that that day has come. I do not see that that day has come. And so I long for that day to come. And I have hope and encouragement through God's word that that day is coming because God's word promises that here in Revelation 21. I don't think that we're living in a heavenly place now. I don't think that everything in God's Word has been fulfilled. I think everything that we see here is to come. Now we are in Christ, are a new creation, and we have that joy of the Lord, but there are days that are still tough. And Revelation 21 says that there's coming a time where there aren't going to be those days anymore. And that's a glorious and wonderful thing that is going to take place. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. 
He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. Here we have another good promise. That God is going to make everything new. And that's very encouraging because we look at our world today. We look at the destruction that's taking place. We look at the sinfulness that's taking place. And so I long for a new and perfect and wonderful place where these things won't take place. And Jesus Christ is telling us that he is going to make all things new. And he said to me, it is done. It's as good as done. We can count on that when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross. And when he rose from the dead, it was finished at that point. And we're just waiting for everything to fall into place. We're waiting for everything to take place. And we see in the book of Revelation that he's saying here, look, it is done. Everything is done. When we get to this point, everything's going to be taken care of. The sin will be gone. All those who have rejected Jesus Christ will be in their eternity separated from him. And all of those who have put their faith in Christ will receive the comfort of of not having those hard times anymore. It will be done when that time comes. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. Here we have uh, another reference to Jesus that we see earlier on in the book of Revelation. The Alpha and o Omega, the beginning and the end. That's the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega. And God is both the beginning and the end and everything in between. And we're getting to the end here of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the end of what we call the Bible. It is the end of, of all the prophecy that God has given us. It is the end of God's word as we know it. And Jesus Christ is saying, look, I am the beginning and the end. And when all these things will be fulfilled, that will be it. All of God's plan will be complete. And then he can dwell with those who are his for all of eternity. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. The victor will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards, unbelievers, vile murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Even in the midst of all the, the, the encouragement that we see here, for those of us who are in Christ, we still have that contrast. We still have that reminder that those who do all of these things that are sinful and evil, they won't be in this place. It is a reminder, I think, to both to get the attention of those who have not accepted Christ to know, look, you don't want to be in this other place. No. I can't tell you exactly what heaven's going to be like, and I can't tell you exactly what hell's going to be like. But I can tell you if you read your Bible that there's one of them that you want to be at, and there's one of them that you don't. Because what we see when Jesus talks about eternal life, when he talks about, a he when he talks about heaven, when he talks about being there with him, is he talks about a glorious place where there is no more trouble, there is no more grief, there is no more suffering. Who wants to be in that place? I want to be in that place. I may be alone. I'm the only hand. I want to be in that place. The Bible also talks about another place. Jesus says there's going to be a place of darkness. There's going to be a place of eternal suffering. There's going to be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. With the eternal fire to torment them. Who wants to be in that place? 
Thank the Lord there are no hands going up. We don't want to be in that place. And, 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 and God is telling, him, is telling us in His Word, there's a difference between the two places that you're going to end up. But praise the Lord for those of us who are in Christ that we no longer have to worry about all these sinful things of the world because they will be cast away for all of eternity in the lake of fire. I don't know where you stand with Jesus. I don't know what your eternity has in store for you. But you, you can make that choice as to whether or not you're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or whether or not you are going to reject Jesus Christ. And it's not just enough to believe in Jesus Christ because even the devil himself and the demons believe in Jesus. It's not just enough to believe in Jesus and it's not just the uttering of words that makes you a Christian. It is a change of heart. It is when in your heart you realize your sinfulness. It is when in your heart you accept and you acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on your behalf and you are seeking Him to forgive you and be your Lord and Savior. It's not just an outward action, it's an inward change. There may be some in this room today who believe in Jesus and believe in God, but you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never humbled yourself and came before Him and said, Look, Lord Jesus, I'm giving everything I am to You. I'm giving my life to You because You gave Your life for me. Forgive me and cleanse me of my sins and wash me as white as snow by the blood that You shed on my behalf. And maybe some of you, the Holy Spirit is convicting today and you realize that you know of Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Today is the day that you can make that decision. You see, sometimes we say, my life is too messy. My life is too dirty. Jesus could never forgive me. Jesus could never clean up the messes that I have done. But you're wrong. Jesus' death on the cross was good enough to cover any sin that you've committed if you come to Him and ask Him to forgive you. If you seek Him and say, Look, Lord Jesus, I have been living apart from You. I have been living in darkness, and I want to be made new. I want to be transformed. I want to be a new creation. Then Jesus is faithful to do that when you seek Him with all your heart. And He can take something that, that's ugly and sinful, and He can make it into something beautiful. And Jesus wants to transform your life today so that He can dwell with you for all of eternity. Will you let Him? Let's pray. God, I come to You this morning and I thank You for uh, this good Word. I thank You that we can long for the day that we can be with You. Dear Lord, we may not even be able to comprehend in this life what heaven is like. We don't know what it will exactly be like God we have some beautiful descriptions in your word and we can only wonder exactly how great it's going to be to be with you but God even if we don't understand everything about heaven and exactly what it'll look like and exactly what it'll be like dear Lord there is one thing that we do understand and that is that you will be there that is that Lord Jesus you'll be there and so help us not to lose focus of that. That's why we want to go there, dear Lord. 
going to heaven is not just not going to hell, but going to heaven is that we get to be there with you, Lord Jesus. The one who gave everything for us. That we get to be there to worship you for all of eternity. That we get to be there with the one who loved us so much that you gave your life for us, dear Lord. And so help us not to forget that. Help us not to overlook your love, dear Lord Jesus. We thank you that we can come into this house freely this morning and worship you. We thank you for your words, and I pray, God, that even in the spots where maybe I didn't make sense or was just a bad speaker or confusing, dear Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would correct those gaps, that the Holy Spirit is the one who has led each one in this place today, that as they have heard your words, not mine, but if they have heard your words and read your text, God, that your Holy Spirit has spoken to them. God, even if they didn't hear a word I said, God, that the Holy Spirit has tugged on their heart to let them know their need for Jesus, to let them know their need for forgiveness and the love that you offer. And so I pray this morning as we get ready for this time of invitation, dear Lord, that if there is one who wants to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, God, that even now that they begin in their heart to say that prayer, to cry out to you, to acknowledge that they are a sinner in need of a Savior and that you, Lord Jesus, are the only Savior that there is. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.